0: Those that are here live with us in, in the studio audience and also those that are watching us live. Today's show topic is titled Restoring Kenya. Now, today we get to actually take an emotional journey to Kenya. That's why I love about today's show, is that we get to be here and also talk about things that are happening outside the country. You know, the thing about Kenya is, and what we don't understand, is what's going on, what's going on around the world? In the United States, we have a lot going on, as everybody knows. But what's going on outside the world? What are other countries going through that we're unaware of? In today's program, we have a rare opportunity to have uh, Carol Carper, which is the owner and operator of a wonderful nonprofit organization called Sasa Haramba. So will you guys please help me in giving her a warm, great welcome to Carol Carper. Mm -hmm. How you doing, Carol?
1: I'm great, thank you.
0: Thank you so much, thank you so much for being here. And this is a wonderful picture of Carol here in Kenya. So just take it in for a minute. This is uh, Carol having fun in Kenya. But before we get into today's topic, which is very important, and again, thank you so much for taking us on this emotional journey. Give us a little bit of background on your organization and why this is so important to you.
1: Our organization is called Sasa Arambe, and that means we do it together. Hmm. And I was invited to go to a community in western Kenya by a man named George Oyeho in 2007. Okay and I've been going ever since then. So I've been going for more than a decade to visit this community. I was interested in going to this community because I thought I could make a difference there. I was retired, I wanted a new passion, and I thought that this community was ready to move itself forward. So we got a grant from Rotary International in 2009 to start an organic farming program, okay. and we still are teaching a 1,000 farmers how to farm to this day.
0: That's wonderful, and thank you so much for your efforts. Now, you know, when you think about Kenya and you think about some of the challenges that they face, and that's what we're going to discuss right now is what challenges do they face in Kenya? because again, we're very far removed from uh, Kenya and other other countries and some of their struggles. So give us a good good detail as to what type of struggles that you see since you've been down there in Kenya. And George is part of Kenya, right?
1: George is a Kenyan, and this is the community that he was born in.
0: Gotcha, okay.
1: Um, He actually came to the United States and became a US citizen, lived here 19 years and decided he would go back and help his community rather than stay here. So I think he would agree with me that some of the challenges of Kenya today, and it's very important to remember, Maurice, that Kenya wasn't always the way it is now. Sure. There was a time when people fed themselves and that it was a very peaceful place and their needs were met very different than how we think people should live, but they, they were happy. Sure. And they had enough food. Their knowledge when I arrived was very limited in terms of farming, agriculture. They had been doing the same thing generation after generation. They have limited capital to start up businesses, to fund organizations, to fund community kinds of activities. They've there's a very poor infrastructure. When I went there, there was only one road wow. that served 6,000 people. Wow. And they also uh, had not had many experiences governing themselves. It was always somebody from the outside. The colonial powers, the government, the schools, the churches, always told them what to do. Sure. And so they had become very dependent. And there wasn't a lot of experience governing themselves. So uh, they might form organizations. Churches are a good example. Okay. They'd, they'd uh, join a church and then they get to fighting among themselves. And instead of being able to resolve the differences, they'd form another church. Gotcha. And I just bring that up because you saw that I was riding with Damar. And one day on Sunday... We counted on a 20 minute motorcycle how many churches were in session. Mm-hmm. And I was only on the motorcycle for 20 minutes, and 40 churches oh, were right. all holding oh. services, singing beautifully, trying to attract people. And right. many of them were very small, and it was because someone had gotten upset with someone in church. So they went down the road and started a new one. So basically, one of the biggest challenges there is a sense of dependency. Sure. That you will meet my needs and I um, don't look much further than going to ask the school or the donor or the church to meet my needs or the government.
0: Gotcha. And you know, Carol, this is uh, amazing because I'm sure everybody has watched TV and you've seen those pictures of Africa and some of the children and some of the, some of the problems. And we have a very skewed understanding as to what's going on just based off those commercials. Those commercials don't do justice to what's going on in Kenya specifically. You know, that, that talks about one specific problem. But in Kenya and some other areas, it may not be that particular type of bad. There is, there is two different ways of looking at it. And so that's what uh, that's what I love about her describing what these challenges are, because it's not talking about what, what you see on those commercials. We're talking about something else that's totally different. So thank you for bringing that up. And for those sitting here in the studio audience and also those that are watching the show, I want you guys to take a take a look at this photo here. When you take a look at this photo, there's probably something that you see. You probably say, hey, everything looks all right. You know you see a lot of green and you know our first time that carol has showed me this picture i was like there's nothing wrong over here i I don't know (laughs) and it was one of one of my quizzes that she gave me and i failed miserably when now she showed me a particular area with this land and that's why i want you guys at home to actually pay attention to and here in the studio audience and help carol take us down what we really should be looking at and what we should understand about this photo
1: Well, this is actually a good photo, because you can see in the background two houses. Those are houses made of mud and daub. That means they went down to the river. They got up a batch of mud and added more water to it. Those houses don't cost any money to build. And that's why you will see so many of them. Now, they have one room. They have a dirt floor. The roof probably leaks because it's thatched and I just want to do a little bit of a word picture of what that's like. I just said they had a mud floor. Right. When they go to sleep at night, they sleep on the floor. They don't have blankets, they don't have sheets, they don't have a mattress. Right. And these families that are farming this farm, probably they're putting children down night after night on empty bellies singing them to sleep probably in a loving, caring manner. But mother knows she really doesn't have much food or very limited food for the children. This is a good example before farmers enter our program. This is the way their land looks very often. That red soil tells us that this farmer has been doing the same thing over and over again, planting maize, never putting anything back into the ground to enrich it. And so it's depleted of all the nutrition that's in the soil. The other thing this farmer did is he or she just threw the seeds out anyway. These seeds have not been planted in rows. So that cuts down the amount of food that you can get out of that particular plot of land. Probably This, if if there were enough rains, this maize would have grown some maize cobs on it. But they would have been eaten green. And by the end of the, the farming cycle, there would be nothing that could be put aside and eaten at a later date. And that, of course, just increases the poverty cycle. Because if you have a little bit of money from something that you've done, you have to now spend it buying food because you really don't have any food.
0: That's right. That's right. And so talk to us about the drought because um, the rain cycle over there is much different than over, over here. Oh, yeah.
1: And when it <laughs> rains, it really <laughs> rains. <laughs> I'll say it rained today and they'll say, well, that was a drizzle, Carol. <laughs> and then when they tell me, well, we had a good rain, it means that the water is just really poured and flowed. And traditionally, they have two rainy seasons, a long season and a short season, where they can plant crops and harvest crops. But in this last year, both of the growing cycles were drought cycles. So in this community that we serve, the individuals who didn't know how to farm like this farmer got no food whatsoever for the last year off their farm.
0: Gotcha.
1: If you've been taught... The skills of farming that are organic, the first drought cycle, there was enough moisture in the ground that they still got yield and a crop. Gotcha. But they couldn't make it through another. There just enough rain hadn't come to do another cycle.
0: So you guys can really see by Carol's description here is how, how we can look at this land from our perception and be totally off base. There's more to the story just in this photo right here. That's how impactful understanding about what another, another area is going through. And that's why it's so important for us to shed some light on Kenya. And shed some light just on this land, This on this picture, she was able to articulate all the challenges that's going on. So if you're watching this at home, think about it, think about that drought. Think about if we, think about if your bank account and how, how that messes with your mind. <laughs> if, your, if your bank account's a little short now think about if your food is short okay and think about if you had those living conditions what, what kind of state of mind would you have to go through think about the type of perseverance that these kenyans are able to go through and endure on a regular basis and still push through so it really says a lot about kenya and the and their and their heart and soul over there um now this this is this really got me when i when i was meeting with uh carol over here and she was talking to me about dependency and she was able to actually help me give a a, a different understanding because over here in America, when you say the word dependency, it's like saying a bad word. You know, in America, we become very, very independent. Would you guys agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. So when you think about another country, when you think about dependency, I want you to explain what that means to, to a Kenyan and what that what that really means and if it's a good thing or a bad thing.
1: When, when you live in a culture where other people have always been responsible for meeting your needs, sure. then you no longer strive to meet your own needs. You become dependent on other one, other people to do that. Uh, it, they have an amazing amount of resiliency, even though they may have just gotten the field empty of maize. But it, they think maybe, well, so I, if I go to the church... If I go to the government, then you'll give me something back. So the change that we've seen in people that have learned how to farm is that I can take care of myself. Mm. And true independence is I can meet my needs on my own experience, training, on my land.
0: Gotcha. <clears throat> So the, the dependency is okay, but just actually showing them how mm-hmm. to do it is where, you, is where you're going with it, right? Right. Is that they can actually do it, but it's that, it's that extra push. Because, again, think about the magnitude of being um, destitute all the time, having to worry about food all the time. You start to lose your, your own sense of self-worth and that you can actually do it. You start to, it starts to attack you every because, again, think about the stretch of time. If you're going through this for a year specifically, you're kind of mentally and physically and emotionally drained. But when you teach somebody and revive that spirit, then that dependency, they get to say, yes, I can do this by myself. I can do this. We can actually support each other, which is huge. And that's where you're going with that, right?
1: It is. It is. I want to explain a little bit about the training program. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got the grant from Rotary. We have nine farmer teachers who, between each other, currently have 200 farmers that are working with them. We've trained trained a thousand farmers in all in a decade. I think, and we train them organic uh, farming skills. We now, they have been successful enough that they now have extra crops that, surplus crops that they can sell for cash. And so they've begun businesses and we've begun to move things outside of our community. I have a little story, though, of how different that happens. One of our farmer teachers is named John. And I was walking along in the fields with him and he said, Carol, You know, before Sasa Rambi came here, I was in the dark. Mm. I have 10 children. I knew I was not feeding them and I had no idea how to do that. And then he turned to me and he said, now I know how to feed them. Mm. So that's really our goal is for every farmer would be able to look me in the eye and smile at me and say, I'm feeding my children now. I'm sending my children to school. Yes. I'm paying my medical fees. I am just built a new house. That's, That's awesome. how we want every person in that community to be
0: in the end. Absolutely. So now, speaking of that, what does restoring the land mean? Because we obviously the title of the show is Restore Kenya. So the emphasis is on restore. What does that look like? What can we do over here?
1: Well, of course, the, the
0: biggest push is to
1: get people trained and have skills so that they believe in themselves and so that the community comes to believe in themselves to control their destiny. But it also means that the land with the right kinds of information about farming and a little bit of rain we're not in control of everything. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> becomes lush and green, full and amazing crops, are, begin to actually come up.
0: Sure, and actually, let's take a let's take a glance at that. And what that looks like? You guys see the difference here? That's amazing, isn't it? This so, a, give us a little, take a this s-
1: actual field is only three weeks old, mm-hmm. and. Um, This is Enos. He is one of our farmer teachers. He began with us in 2008. So he has been farming with us for a long time. The person in the back is his wife weeding the right activity for wives. (laughs) But um, this is beans and corn. Um, Enos and uh, his wife Jessica feed themselves, but they also feed six children who live in Nairobi.
0: That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And that's, that's that word restoration. Three weeks, that is an impeccable amount of time. That is quick. And just with training and doing it the right way, three weeks with the drought. I mean, think about that. That's impact. And that's how resourceful, again, the human human spirit is. That's why it's important for us to understand what Sasa Harambe does. I want to take a, take a quick moment and uh, go to our studio audience and um, those who had some kind of in, interact, interaction with uh, Sasa Harambe and some of your thoughts regarding Kenya. Yes, could you talk a little bit about the health challenges you've come across there and uh, water challenges and, and how, how that's working out?
1: We've, we've done a lot of things beside farming. Because you can have plenty of food, and if the water makes you ill, then it doesn't matter that you have food. Or it doesn't matter that you made a lot of money if your well is still polluted and you're getting sick from it. That's
0: right. right. So
1: we have worked on water. We've protected springs, put in wells. But one of the most important things is that you're working with a public health we now know that every farm has a latrine and that's really super important because if people are not using latrine then all of the disease gets into the water Mm -hmm. and proof of how important this is is that in March of 2016 there was a cholera epidemic and our area which has hundred percent coverage in latrines had no case of cholera.
0: Wow, yes. That deserves a round of applause. What else do we have? So, Carol, um, what about in the 10, you've
1: been there almost a, a half of generation, if you will, and some of, the, if, so you've seen a lot of change in these people. I'm just curious to see, especially in the children, uh, what improvements have you seen in their lives due to this? Imp- this, Amer- this, I will call it
0: agricultural miracle. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Great so
1: question. Th- that, and actually, that's very, a very good question. Um, you have to remember that we are a network, and so we worked a lot with different people. The, uh, once again, the health department has come in and done some pretty significant things like teaching mothers how to enrich porridge so children Are not malnourished the rate of mortality in the last three years has gone from 50 percent of children under three to 20 percent so there's been a huge change the other change that i'm very aware of is i have a friend who operates on children with cleft palates and he goes all over the nation he does it they're free operations he does it with a group of doctors And when he's going to be in my area, he calls me and says, Carol, I'm going to come do operations. Will you find some children? And the last few times that I have gone to all the clinics and said, we want children to do operation on their uh, cleft palate, or they call it split lip. The nurses told us, we don't have any of those children. And it's because the mothers are now eating kale so much mm-hmm. that they get folic acid in their diet so we virtually do not see children with cleft clef palate sure. they're not there
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing.
1: so it really shows it shows what happens when you change the diet significantly our next goal is to it's see that there's enough iron in the diet because when pregnant mothers and m- mothers with newborns get malaria, if their their iron level is low in their body already, they plunge into anemia, and that's what they die from, mm. not the malaria. They die from the anemia. Gotcha. And so our goal is to raise the amount of iron that is consumed through crops not through meat but through crops so that the residual hemoglobin count or the iron in their body is high.
0: Yes. Okay. We have time for another another response here.
1: As a Rotarian I uh, have seen this project mature to where it is now and it's been like helping people to help themselves um, as a focus but what are your future challenges now carol
0: Mm, great question
1: Um, we will continue to work on self-governance it's one of our really big goals now is to have lots of opportunities uh, forming groups where we offer training we do a little bit of fostering watching them grow so that the community really begins to define their own needs and seek their own resources. The other problem that we're now uh, trying to address is we actually have had the experience of raising so much of the maize that you saw here that it was literally flowing down the streets and we had no market for it. Mm. We had no way to gather it. We had no way to store it. And we had no way to transport it to the middle of Kenya, where we knew there was a market. So one of our big challenges now is to move up to that level of agriculture as a business and then move products out of our community to the greater community. So it's, it's doing that. The other thing that we're very concerned about is drought. Yeah, yeah. And so we have actually written a grant to shape the land to catch water for a short period of ta- time, plant trees on the upside of those catchment basins yeah. to store the water in the land. And we, we aren't going to do that as a total community. And one of the reasons why is caused, but a second reason is large bodies of water can attract and uh, foster mosquitoes for malaria. So those catchment basins will be done on a farm by farm level.
0: Gotcha. So with all that, and we've had, would you guys agree that we have a deeper, uh, deeper outlook as far as Kenya is concerned? at home would you guys agree say yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that we have this deeper understanding about Kenya now that our hearts are open please I uh, want to turn our attention to Carol just for like one minute here what exactly does Sasa Harambe need in order to because you're about to go out there in the next few months right uh-huh. what do you, what exactly do you need going in this next journey
1: I I've actually mentioned several times that there's a need for capital We don't believe in giving individual farmers money, but we do believe that you help them when they come together in groups and form a business that they usually can't amass enough money to do a startup business. So capital to continue training, capital for startup businesses are our greatest needs at this point.
0: Gotcha. Thank you for that. And here, I want to take you guys on a deeper journey, as well. I want you guys to consider this and really open open up your minds to this. Carol's over here in Colorado. George is over there in Kenya. And the beauty of it is two hearts were able to come together for one mission, and that's to help restore Kenya and bring people together. So could you imagine, just with training, you're able to affect children. You're able to affect these wives. You're able to, most importantly, affect the human spirit. And guess guess how, how beautiful God is, how amazing he is, that he's able to bring people together from two different areas and merge that together to bring something impactful and bring lives and and just, just really bring back hope. If nothing else, just the hope that I can live another day, I can go on another day. That's what love is all about, is that, Carol her organization is able to manifest and help do things and actually be on deck over there So if you have skill set if you have a specific heart for Kenya If there's something that Carol has said that say hey, I have the skill set for that thing Please get a hold of Carol and here's her information right here uh, HGTB Sasa haramba Sasa and also carol at is her email address Contact her and say, hey, I have the skills and I have a skill set to actually help you with your journey. That's what we're all about. That's what community here can do way over there in Kenya. And that's what we that's we have a vehicle to get to Kenya to actually help them out. And that's Sasa Harambe. So I want to thank you, Carol, for doing what you feel on your heart and being brave enough to do that mission and stay on board with that and really bring the community together with your um, Rotary Club. To actually help help you deliver that mission so i want sure. to thank you for that for those that are watching and i want you guys to continue following the conversation follow us on facebook follow us on linkedin follow us on twitter and we're going to keep the conversation going but in the meantime carolyn and i we have to actually have to get back to work so you guys have a great day thank you Carol. <laughs>